what, what I'm getting from you guys here, you know, it's like we're looking for heart, we're looking for passion. Um, we're also looking for, you know, someone that we can train and that it, we can develop. But, but to your point, the dealership also needs to be able to make that commitment as well. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strategy with Jason podcast, your mobile podcast covering all things automotive strategy. Today, Jason is jamming with the guys from Automax. They'll be chatting and sharing tips around recruiting practices, how the modern salesperson isn't driven exclusively by salary, and the importance of retaining salespeople with heart and drive. And now your host, Jason Harris. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jason Harris here with Digital Dealership Solutions. Hey, thanks for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Now you can see today's episode is going to be a little different. I'm hanging out with the Automax recruiting team, and I'm super excited to get to know a little bit about these guys and how they do what they do. So I'll start by going around the room. You guys can introduce yourselves, kind of how you got into the business and what you guys are doing right now. So Anthony, we'll start with you. Well, my name's uh, Anthony Santangelo. Uh, I'm one of the national sales recruiter and trainers uh, affiliate with Automax Recruiting and Training. So I'm one of the uh, the trainers that travel the uh, the country to dealerships, do new hire recruiting and experience training and BDC uh, representatives as well. Uh, you asked me what how I got in the car business. That's the question was yeah. Jason. On it, well, I uh, started in the car industry in September eighth, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, it started with uh, interviewing at double-digit dealerships and being rejected until <laughs> somebody gave a 20-year-old kid a shot, uh, you know, with it. And I uh, spent my whole entire career uh, with Nissan uh, before joining uh, with Automax. That's awesome. That's awesome. And what are you doing with Auto- Automax right now? I'm one of the national sales recruiter and trainers. Uh, so I go from dealership to dealership, and we recruit, interview, and train uh, new hire salespeople and also existing sales and BDC representatives. And then uh, from an Automax standpoint, we also can fill any position in the store from Porter to President, and that includes technicians as well. Cool. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, my name is Joe Lockard. I'm operations director and a minority owner for Automax Recruiting. Um, I have no idea how the hell I got into the automotive industry, <laughs> really. I don't know why I'm here. Were you born into it? I think you were possibly it's, just born I, into sometimes it. Sometimes I feel like I'm just going to wake up, and it's like, yeah, that was a dream. Here's what you're actually doing with your life. <laughs> no, it's, it's been great. I, I actually I did get into it through my father, Craig Lockard, who's a founder and owner of Automax Recruiting. Um, been with Automax for 14 years. I think it was just my 13 or 14-year anniversary. Um, done everything with the company all the way from from when newspapers were still a thing, calling up and <laughs> and buying ad space in newspapers to put in line ads and display ads. Went through you know the the boom with with um, digital advertising, job boards, and such, and have just kind of worked my way into to my current role. I kind of run day to day operations of Automax and and take care of of as much as I possibly can handle in a twenty four hour period. That's awesome. All right, next up. Yeah. So, so my name is uh, Stephen Warner. I'm the uh, CEO of Automoto HR. And uh, basically, I got into the car business in 1992. Um, I got uh, got out of the Army and um, kind of looked around. I called a bunch of friends and said, hey, what are you doing? And they said nothing. And so I looked around and, you know, I was either do that or, or go find something. And so a friend uh, actually referred me over um, to, to uh, an auto dealer. And uh, so I walked in, and um, the, the uh, GM, I was fresh out of the Army, so the, the GM was not there. Um, and I was like, what do you mean he's not there? It's, it's, he, he told me the appointment was at you know, 8 a.m. or whatever it was. <laughs> and I was shocked, so I'm like, well, what's, what's going on? You know, I'm fresh out of the Army, I'm used to being on time. So he's, they're, they're like, oh, he's, he'll be back in a little while, go ahead and walk around. So I walked around, and I uh, walked to a dealership across the street, 
And uh, that dealership was, uh, I met a salesperson that day. The uh, closer for the store, one of the closers, came out and uh, greeted me and said, uh, you know, hey, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm interviewing across the street. He said, oh, come on over and talk to me. So that was kind of the start of it and um, got in and there was uh, 40, I think 40 or 42 guys on the front line um, of that store. Wow. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a shark. So, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And it, you know, it was not a, uh, you know, kind of one of those ones you walk in, you kind of, kind of get, uh, get your feet under you and kind of figure stuff out. There was basically rules like, um, you, you were not allowed to sit down, um, and unless you were with a, cl a client, you couldn't, uh, couldn't just chill out. You couldn't do anything. You either had to be on the phone or that, um, you know, there, there was, uh, you know, it was, it was old school, very, very, very yeah, old school. Yeah, sounds like it. So, uh, I was the, at the time, the uh, number one, uh, Chrysler salesperson and also the, the uh, number one Hyundai salesperson. Um, so it was actually here in Southern California and, uh, it, uh, just kind of, you know, I, again, when I, when I got out of the army, I had no money. So <laughs> I had $300 to my name and it's because I, I didn't pay my insurance for a couple months. <laughs> so I drove across the country and um, that 300 bucks had uh, got me my, my one shirt, my one ugly tie, and then, uh, you know, my slacks and stuff. And I get out there and these guys all got $1,000 suits and, you know, we're, <laughs> we're dressed up. So of course I cut flack about that. But uh, um, so basically what happens, I made a, made a whole bunch of money that, uh, you know, that first month and then on and never got out. It just sucked you just in, right? sucked me in. That's yeah. What, that's what this industry does, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah, just, it's just, sure. it just sucks you in. And then once you're in, you can just it's never really get out of it. You're like, shit, I'm, I'm getting old now. I don't know how to do anything else. What do I do from here? So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I got into the car business. That's very cool. And, and guys, I wanted to get together and, you know, get this whole table conversation going because I think for a lot of dealerships out there, recruiting and finding the right talent is just becoming incredibly more and more difficult, Absolutely. right? There, there is a whole generation of salespeople that are retiring and we're having to fix, we're having to fill that space. Right. And I don't think necessarily dealerships, A, have a plan for it but also know exactly what they should and maybe shouldn't be looking for right. and what yeah. a salesperson kind of is to because consumers change, Absolutely. you know? So you know, I guess let's kind of start the conversation off there is, you know, uh, we'll go around the table and ask each one of you, but you know, what should a dealership be looking for now today in a salesperson? Well, I think uh, the number one thing is you should be looking for reasons to hire versus reasons not to hire. Good point. I, I think that, that is where the dynamic, in my opinion, needs to change in 2019. Uh, we get so scrutiny, even even the generation before me, uh, they would not hire salespeople without their spouse coming and doing an interview with them. Hmm. And, wow. I mean, this is a, I mean, the generation before me, this is more my, your, your dad, you know, your dad's right. generation. Uh, you know, and this is what ended up happening. It's like, well, you know, is she on board? We have to interview you both together, four, five, six interviews. And then maybe, or they said they're not ready, and they're going to reject you. That's how it was back then. Well, now it's different. Look for reasons to uh, to hire, and you have to look for reasons in, in someone's heart, and you have to really be able to read into someone. And a perfect example of that is this: last month, I interviewed uh, a, a potential new hire, mm -hmm. and uh, they came in, and I looked at the questionnaire, and I saw the person had a record, and I'm interviewing her, and I see the hunger and desire in her eyes, Jason. Yeah, I saw it. Like all my poker reads were going off, <laughs> and I saw it, so I invited her to to uh, potentially you know new hire recruiting class or recruiting uh, recruiting training, and 
you know, the owner uh, at the store there uh, who had reached out via Facebook it was the second time I was there. Actually, third time I spoke in one of their sale, uh, sales meetings as well. I sat with him and I said to the owner, I said, I invited someone uh, to the, the uh, training on Thursday uh, that has a record. And I, but I really feel good about this person. And I, he looks at me, he goes, Anthony, you're here in Automax is here because we trust you and we mm-hmm. trust your judgment. And you know what? She got hired. That's awesome. And she was there. And, uh, you know, can I tell you something, Jason? Mm-hmm. When I first started with Automax, I would have passed on her. I absolutely would have. Yeah. Uh, so I've seen how I've evolved a little bit where not everything is black and white. And for me, my whole life, I've always seen things black and white, black and white. I'm starting to see there's some gray there. We have to look past the words, past the appearance, and go into the person's eyes. Is the hunger and desire there? I love it. Uh, and that's, that's really, I think, what, it was what's missing uh, today in 2019. Hunger and heart. Yeah, two H's. I like exactly that. Right. You know, yeah. and I, and and great point because I think a lot of dealerships are looking at it and what they see is just the black and white text that's on mm-hmm. that resume, and I don't think they have a process in place that allows them to interview or look for hunger and heart. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thanks, yeah, Anthony. I, I love a couple things you said there. I'm I'm totally stealing. Look for reasons <laughs> to hire instead of reasons <laughs> not to hire. That's awesome. And, and I mean, it's always been challenging. And let's mm-hmm. be honest with ourselves: it's nobody's dream job to sell cars. Mm-hmm. Sure. We're, we just talked about how it sucks you into the industry. It's basically a large collection of misfits that just kind of ended up doing this, mm-hmm. and and maybe got good at it, and they stuck around, and they love it, and it grows on you. Uh, so you hit on that, looking for the the reasons deep in, without just looking at someone's resume or seeing what they've done in the past. You know, from the behind the scenes stuff, you guys are on site. You're at you're at the front lines, and you're mm-hmm. seeing the actual real people that come in for us it's casting a huge net. You know, we'll talk to job boards and like, well, who's your ideal candidate? Who are you looking for? And I'm like, honestly, everybody. Mm-hmm. We're looking for everybody. Right, we're Joe. casting yeah. a huge net and we're finding as many people from as many different industries as we can who can come to this in- industry, use what they have inside them, use their skills that they might not even know they have and translate that into selling cars. Mm-hmm. And and it's it does take a unique type of person and it does take someone like yourself to be there to identify that within themselves that they can do it when they didn't know that they could do it to begin with. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to limit the conversation just to salespeople because obviously yes. we do all kinds of recruiting mm-hmm. and the, the, the tech issue is a whole other conversation sure. there. Um, you know, we were talking about it earlier where, you know, dealers think it's hard right now. It's, it's tough right now to grab from a recycled pool of veteran technicians, wait for the next five, ten years. And when that generation really Yeah, I mean, off. millennials yeah. aren't going to trade schools. There, no. there's, there's a large shortage, not just for technicians, for anybody doing skilled labor in this country and in Canada as well. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be a real problem. And that's when you, again, have to identify someone who's maybe an entry-level tech, somebody who, who went to a UTI, went to a trade school, or even has just worked on cars. But they have something inside them. There's just a, a good person. It's just a solid human being that can be trained and molded, and has work ethic, and has things that are desirable for any employee, not just in the automotive industry. You got to train. You, you have to, to identify the right human beings mm-hmm. and then train them to, to be the type of employee that you want them to be long term. And that's a great takeaway, I think, for the dealerships. You got the, the heart, the hunger, but the ability to train and, like you said, to mold. Right. You know, because there's no one out there that's going to meet our requirements. Or there's, I'm sorry, there's far, far fewer people out sure. there that's really meeting these requirements. And, and the key to that, to piggyback on what Joe was saying, is it's not just the training part. It's instilling confidence in somebody. Mm, yeah. Because when you meet someone, I mean, that young lady I interviewed, like, she was two months out of prison. 
Well, two months. Kidding. Two months she was. Yeah. Wow. And, and uh, you know, it's just, you saw, and, you know, the, the, uh, the hurt was there. And you could also see that not just with someone that has a record, it could be a single mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well, uh, you could have somebody that's 47 years old was married 22 years and her husband left her for a 19 year old. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that, that stuff. Now I, I've trained people like that. You know, you see that young person that was just like I was when I was 20 years old. No one give this kid a shot. You know, until one dealership did. Uh, you know, and I was rejected double digit times. You know, and you see that they'll hurt in their face because the door keeps being slammed in their face. Sorry, kid, no experience, no job. You know, type of thing. And you have to say, I believe in you. And that's more really what employee retention and what, what recruiting is about is showing people that, yes, you can do it. And when you really go deep into that, that's when the production comes. But we look at the production first versus the person, and that's why the process is disconnected. If we flip the script, then things would be much better. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, so uh, basically I think you, you kind of hit it on, and these guys actually covered pretty much everything I was going to talk about as far as <laughs> process. Yes. Uh, the biggest problem that, that most businesses have, you know, the, the unemployment rate is, is very, very small across all of North America. And so everybody's trying to pull from a, a smaller pool. But then when you start adding technical ability or maybe adverse jobs, you know, like mm-hmm. working you know, bell to bell as a salesperson, those things start to, to, uh, to decrease your pool. So you gotta you know, cast that big net, but like, like Anthony hit on, you have to um, be open to more options. You can't just say, hey, mm-hmm. um, you know, I understand I'm getting a thousand applications, I only want the good ones. Okay, well, wh- what are, you gonna, are you gonna talk to those other folks? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna give them an opportunity? Are you gonna look further than just, hey, I only want technicians that have five years of experience. Well, okay, but those guys are what everybody's competing for. You don't wanna pay that money what are you going to do to compel them to come work for you? So they're not seeing that far in advance. And so they're not yeah. planning. They're not uh, um, mentoring uh, young, like, like folks coming up as a Lutec. Hire the Lutec and train them to your company. Right. That way, now that guy has a vested interest in your business because you invested in them. Well, in the same way with salespeople, how you hear, well, I don't, I, you know, I only want the good ones. Well, yes. what's a good one? So what are we talking about right. here? Are we talking about retreads? Because that never works out. Yep. You hire someone's experience that already has bad habits. Well, I see the same thing with technicians a yes. lot where they say, I want someone with five years. Well, then even when we find that guy, a lot mm-hmm. of times what you hear is, he wants too much money. Mm-hmm. Yes, this, I, right. I can't match mm-hmm. his rate. Well, again, like you said, if you start from scratch with somebody who has the right internal makeup to mm-hmm. do it and the desire to do it, you can, again, train them up, work them up at a, a reasonable pay scale until they have the skills that they need to have to be paid at you know, an A-level tech. And you've just now molded them into your culture, right. into how you want to do things, um, what you expect. Yep. So you're not uh, you know, bringing somebody in that has a, a habit that's not, that's not conducive to your business. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they, they now know how you do things and you can train them to, to do it the way you want to have it done. And again, they're, they're more loyal, so you don't have that big turnover. And also, too, they, uh, they, they basically want to move up the ranks. If you're bringing somebody over from another place that's already at that level, there's only things that they can expect is, are you going to pay me? Um, what are you going to do to compel me to come over? Are mm-hmm. you going to pay me more? Yeah. Are you going to, what are you going to do for me? Yeah, the story then is only about, it's you only know, about how, much, how much more, yes. what, what else am I going to be able to get out of it? Mm-hmm. Guys, I, I love what, what, you know, what, what I'm getting from you guys here. You know, it's like we're looking for heart. We're looking for passion. Um, we're also looking for, you know, someone that we can train and that it, we can develop. 
But, but to your point, the dealership also needs to be able to make that commitment as well. I mean, if dealerships looking you know, at their list of technicians, they're looking at their list of salespeople and they're going, wow, I mean, I got just this whole generation, this chunk of people that are staring down the barrel of retirement, they have to be prepared to make that commitment to be willing to put those processes in place mm -hmm. to develop and actually train these Trade these people. There's Absolutely. there's not an abundance of pool like there used to be. There, right. there, there at one point in time there was, yep. and there was there was, so, there was so many technicians out there. There were so many salespeople out there that you literally could just steal people from other locations, and that was it. But that's not what we have to do today. Well, it's also it's also I'm sorry. No, it's okay. also pretty rare that, that uh, technicians or salespeople walk in your door and say, "Hey, I would like to work for you," yes. and you yes. have the opportunity to turn them down. Right. But their mindset in, in many many most stores, I would say, is that that's kind of how things happen. But even though they live it every day, it doesn't happen that way, but they still have that expectation. Mm -hmm. And that person never comes. And then they sit there going, how come that person never came? And what do I do? They have no process to deal with it. Well, um, go ahead. Well, I, and, and that's why we exist. I mean, you could talk yeah, about, sure. you need to do this, 100%. you need to do this, you need to do this. I mean, we can give them the keys, but at the end of the day, we talked about this. It's, it's hard to do. Mm -hmm. It takes time to do. It takes personnel. You're taking a sales manager. You're taking yourself off the showroom floor when you have other stuff to do. And, and that's why we're here. That's why we're around. Because it's not easy. You can sit here and say, do this, do this, do this. It's hard to do. Bottom line, it's, it's going to be people opportunities. Mm -hmm. Everyone deserves an opportunity. I really believe that in my heart. And you have to do that. And you have to make exceptions. If you are so driven by process, that's not how I was in the industry for the last 21 plus years. It's selling off a feel and it's making that exception. That person is, you know, six, seven years and they're an A technician, not just paying the money, give them the Saturdays off that they're looking for. Absolutely. And, then, yes. and, and, and also, I want to lead you into this, Joe, because you're more of an expert than I am. You know, the amount of female technician applications that we get as right. well. Why don't you share with that as well? I think it's really important. Well, yeah, and it's, it's not even, you know, everybody talks about the, the stigma of females within, you know, the sales sure. side of it. It's 10 times that on. On the fixed op side, yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll deal with um, female service managers in the stories they tell me. I mean, it's a nightmare. They, they'll have, you know, A-level techs come in, and, and uh, this one gentleman came in. He sat down in front of a, a female service manager. He said, is there someone else that can interview me? I'm not real comfortable interviewing with a female service Ooh. manager. It blew my mind. I don't know, I don't know where to go with that at that point. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But so I, I guess kind of the point is, you know, like Anthony was saying, you really have to look past the black and white, mm -hmm. and you got to see the grays, and you got to see, you know, what's what's really at the heart of, of the candidate and make sure you're screening for the right things instead of just looking at a resume or, or making a snap decision based on what you see right in front of you. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things, too, is, is uh, again, creating a compelling reason for that, that person to come, the single mom, mm -hmm. the other thing. So mm -hmm. if, if you give them opportunities, you know, again, how loyal would that person be, um, your salesperson, your technician, if you accommodate their lifestyle as well? Right. If they're going to, to, to commit to you and say, hey, mm -hmm. yes, I'll work for you and, and not be running around looking for another job in the meantime, what are you going to do for them? Whether it's pay, whether it's um, basically just setting up their schedule. You know, hey, my kid plays baseball, and I don't want to do like my dad did and miss. Right. You know, I want to be there to, to, to see that. Can you accommodate? You know what? Absolutely we can. And, in fact, you know, we'll do these things for you. And now all of a sudden this guy goes, nobody else would do that for me. Right. You know, gosh, the, mm -hmm. the, the guy down the street gave me 10 bucks an hour more to go work for him. 
I'm probably not going to, th- I'm not going to jump right away. You know, it's standing out and being it. different to your competition. Yes. It was, it comes down to, because it's not 1992 when you yes. started, it's not 1997 when I started. Back then it was absolutely not, there's the door. Yeah. It's different now. It's making those adjustments to show people you care about them more as a person mm-hmm. than as production or a result of revenue stream. And when you do that now, mm-hmm. you're going to get maximum production from that employee because you care about them. Because it's not all about the, the money or I call the pasta. It's not about that. It's about the person's time because they're looking to go to the dance class, the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the basketball practice, football practice. Those things are very, very important. I mean, think about it, Joe, right? You have three daughters in the age of five years old. Sure. I called you Friday about a, about a campaign, or Thursday, I called you a campaign. Mm-hmm. You were at um, soccer. 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 Right. You, you were at for one, one of your daughters. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's important. Now, imagine you. At your age, you're in the car industry, and you're looking to make a switch, make a change around in the car industry, and you have three dollars in the age of five, and you, you know you have this opportunity, but they want you to work three bell to bells nonstop. It's a late store, so you close at nine, you get done ten thirty, and everything. How's Christina going to feel about right. that? Well, and you know, I mean, that's a big difference. You make those adjustments to do that, absolutely. where the person could be qualified, be a twenty-five car month salesperson. Right. They could be the next Ali Reed or Frank Cronetti. They right. could be, <laughs> but you don't give them a chance you're because it has to be like this. And it's a cookie cutter image, and that's just bullshit. It yeah. just is. And, and I think with sorry, go ahead. Joe. Well, and and I'm going to take the job if, if I'm a talented salesperson. And I know I'm talented. I'll probably take the job that's so a little bit better. less money. Yes. Well, no, I'm going to take the less money that, yeah. that gives me better hours oh, yeah, because yeah, 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 I yeah, yeah. you you have different values, and you hit on it. You mentioned. You know, you got to do different things for them. Maybe it's pay. And I think if we get into the millennial conversation, because that's kind of where this is all going, we talk about people retiring and the next yeah, generation, and they are. It's it's not about pay all the time. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. You know, they're just not driven by that for the most part. It's not. I need to make this much, this much, and this much. I need this time off. I need these accommodations for me. And and I think you, at some point you got to change and you got to make some of those accommodations mm-hmm. so you don't miss out on somebody that could be a, a really valuable part of your team. You know, I think the key part there is change. Right. right? Um, dealerships have to understand that you know, it's about their people. You know, we, we've been able to get away for many, many, many years, you know, and be, have a revolving door and still be able to provide X amount right. of profitability, right. and it, it, it's worked up to this point, right. you know. And so, so the dealerships, you know, their why wasn't necessarily about the people. Their why could just be simply to move metal and sure. find butts to put in the seats to move that metal along. But that whole game's changing. So I think for dealerships to really embrace what you guys are saying, they first need to understand that their people is their foundation. Yeah. And if they don't believe that, then you guys can pretty much just turn off the podcast right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's what this is about. This is where we're going yeah. here, right? Yeah. Like, it's got to be about Here's that. an example of this, Jason. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt you. No, it's cool. Automatic recruiting and training. I've been around since November of 1997, 21 plus years, right? 70% of the employees, less independent contractors, have been with Craig for over 10 plus years. Yeah. I mean, that's just facts right there. I mean, so it's like, well, why is that? Uh, the, you know, it's because of the camaraderie. It's the commitment level. It's the retention. You know, what we were talking about this. People are the foundation. You, you Absolutely. Know, you're right. You got 19 of us trainers. All of us are different. I'm probably the most difficult, you know, but we're all different. Believe it or not, you're not the most difficult. I'm, 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 I'm in the bottom, like, third, I'm sure, you know. But the, the whole thing is, like, you have to relate to me different than you relate to sure, X yeah, trainer yeah, yeah. or Y trainer or yeah. B trainer type of thing. And it's important to be able to do that. If Joe and Ernie and Craig only had, and Jody had only had a cookie-cutter image of how to relate to us, then you only get your 25%. It goes back to closing percentage of selling cars, mm-hmm. right? I, and, and I teach this in, 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 our, tra- in our training uh, um, 
and are trained in the dealership for experience and new hires. And out of every 100 people you talk to face-to-face, 25 are going to close. And they're going to close because you had the only magenta pink color car out there. Okay, they're going to close because they can relate to you because you grew up in the same area and you know your grandma Moses's uncle Mortimus's catfish. You know all these different things that you have, and they're fine. But how are you going to get another fifteen or twenty that aren't like that? You have to make those adjustments and call the audibles of cool. life and everything and to go that route. You know. And you made mm-hmm. a great point about different managerial styles for for different trainers. Well, it's the same thing within a dealership. You can take it a step farther. Why not have different pay plans or different setups? You don't have to treat every single employee the same way. You don't Good have to point. motivate like every yes. employee yep. the same yeah. way. I, I, there's always going to be a place within dealerships for their, your 40 to 50 year old guys who's single or, or maybe married without kids or adult kids where he doesn't mind putting in 50, 60 plus hours a sure. week and he is motivated by money and that is what it's all about for him. That's fine. He gets a different pay plan. Mm-hmm. And there's a b- bigger difference there too. When you have an older applicant as well, sometimes they're stereotype. It's age, race, gender, or culture. Absolutely. You know, I had somebody last month in Tennessee, 73, and they hired him. Nice. Wow. I had someone That's in Long awesome. Island, New York in February, 72, they hired him. <laughs> you know, so it's, like, so it's not just 18-year-olds or it's not just that 35-year-old. It's giving people an opportunity. Now, are they going to be with you for 25 years? Probably not. But it's about, are they going to be able to have production there? And are they more plug and play because they respect their life experience? And for me, when I train someone that's older than me, and obviously 70-something years old is older than me, <laughs> you know, when it's, so I want to make sure they know in the interview process, I tell them before they leave, I respect your life experience. I'm looking forward to your participation in recruiting and, and training when you come Thursday, Friday, whatever it is. And then I use that in training as I bounce around the room and I engage them. Are we doing that as management staff? to say, listen, I know this is a new opportunity career, but I respect your other two, three careers that you knocked the cover off the ball. Now you want to make a change, bring the left hand from the bullpen, and we welcome your ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's how you end up keeping people versus that you hire them dead or kill them after well, you got them. And, and then you're talking about changing your entire culture, not just among your staff. I mean, your other employees are going to see that, and, and they might respect it. Maybe that 73-year-old guy reminds me of their dad. and like, you know what? I really respect the way that they're treating this guy. They didn't have to take a chance on that guy. They didn't have to give him one last career here. He's obviously, like you said, not going to be there for 25 years. Might be there for five years. Then you start talking about within your your culture or within your area, your your geographic area yeah, where you're yeah, selling cars. Yeah, mm-hmm. We've talked about how the people that are applying those jobs are also your customers. Mm-hmm. So the way you treat those people that apply to the job or the way that pe- you treat the people that work for your store, uh, even if they, they end up not being long-term employees, if you treat them properly, that's going to get heard about within you know your given city or your town or, or wherever you may be. Plus, we're not fooling ourselves. How, how long is the 20-year-old going to be there, too? They're sure, they could exactly. be based on current standards. Well, most of the time, they don't. It all goes into right. culture. I mean, yeah, that's I really what it is, right? I mean, culture is is defined as a group of people that are unified by one idea heading towards one direction. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we're not at the dealership level actively pursuing that, if we're not defining that, then it very di- it's very difficult to find the right people. And I'm, I'm going to kind of shift the conversation a little here because I, I think we really kind of drove home the importance of hiring the right people. Let's talk real quick about the cost of hiring the wrong people. Right. Ooh, what a cliffhanger. We talked about some great concepts around recruiting best practices today. What stood out to you? Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe to get all the details and catch part two when it comes out. Until then, have a good one.